Great job, team. Head back to base for debriefing and Welcome to another podcast about James Bond and the ladies in his life, or lack thereof, maybe. Not, no, that's never going to be the case. Anyway, we're back with Master Sergio Lugo here with me today to talk about <laughs> live and or let die. <laughs> so it's optional? <laughs> I, I feel like it is. Live or let die. I mean, you know, it's, it's not all or nothing, right? There's there's nothing like that. It's not everything or nothing. Uh? No, that's a different movie, right? Oh, there you got it. Sergio, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Yeah? Are you are you ready for this here movie? I think so. Yeah? Okay. I think so. Well, let's like, move right. Like, like they're kind of running together now, which is really bad because we're really early in this project. Yeah, this is only the third one. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but they, but I see what you mean, and they, and they kind of do. I, I think I had sort of a similar esque idea while watching this one. It's like, man, I forgot how much these kind of run into each other. Yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna be a gracious host and say, I didn't see the last. 10 odd minutes of the movie i didn't get to finish it so i would appreciate it if master lugo would give me his thoughts on that and i'm gonna jump board jump springboard that one i'm gonna springboard off of what he says a little bit since this is the one area that i didn't quite get to see but i'm under the impression the scene kind of starts with and we, yes we are skipping ahead in case you're new to this and just to point it out there are going to be spoilers. This is under the assumption that everybody has seen these movies. So if you have not seen this movie or any previous ones that we talked about or any future ones we talk about, know that going in that we are going to just go ham on these movies. And the start, the scene that I did not, that I got to and did not get to finish was they were taking Miss Solitaire to an outside gathering in the scene with uh, Baron Samdi, probably about to kill her is the goal. Is, is that right, Sergio? Um, sacrifice her, I think, is, is, is the right word. Oh, were they actually, in, in their perception, it was, if we sacrifice you, we get something kind of thing? I, I don't know. I don't know. I know that the entire thing was a ritual. Right, yeah. At the very least, it is regardless of what it's for is definitely a ritualistic thing they were doing. Yes. Yes. So what, what kind of happens there? What's, what's the, as, as I like to say to you, what's the elevator pitch of the last 10 minutes? Okay. Okay. So, so the last 10 minutes, they, they border on some like, uh, Indiana Jones style, supernatural stuff. Okay. Yeah. I can kind of see that. Um, Okay. Because like they pull her out there to sacrifice her, and uh, they open this um, 
what a coffin full of snakes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the the thought was they were going to put her in that, right? Oh, okay. But but first they they have this this huge dancing ritual where um they quote unquote resurrect a guy from a grave. Oh, oh, well, that is Baron Somdi's thing. Yeah, yeah, like he allegedly he re- like he comes out of the ground, and uh, as soon as he comes out of the ground, James Bond, who has who has snuck up on this this group of of, of I guess natives, mm-hmm. he just starts shooting people, <laughs> <laughs> unprovoked. He just he just shoots a dude, and then he shoots the guy who was resurrected, which I guess is supposed to be Baron Somdi. Is that is that what you is that what you're calling Dude, him? Did he have the top hat or the black and white face? Yes. Yeah. However. However, like the, the the reason I say it's it's very um supernatural is like when he comes out, it's clear he is a real person. Like he has eyeballs, he's looking up and down and sideways and whatnot. Mm-hmm. When James Bond shoots him, it's revealed that he's actually a statue. Oh. So it's so it's like James Bond shot the life out of a statue. Mm-hmm. And the statue crumbles because he shoots him like three or four times. Oh. Yeah, he then grabs uh, what's her name, solitaire. solitaire grabs uh-huh. solitaire and uses the same trap door mechanism that Baron Som- Somdi or whatever the fuck his name is, like used to resurrect out of a grave mm-hmm. to get down into their uh, like lair. All the, all the while, chaos is just erupting around them, and no one has a gun except for James Bond. Conveniently. <laughs> they get down into the the, the lair of the the main <clears throat> boss, whatever the main boss's name was, Mister Big. Mister Big, Doctor Kananga yeah. gets down there, and in classic James Bond style, Mister Big, instead of exacting any kind of revenge on the chaos that that uh, you know, James Bond has caused, he decides, I'm literally going to tell you every inch of my plan. <laughs> and when when James Bond says, "Oh, a monorail." This is how you bring in the heroine, and then blah 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 blah. He says, "Very, very astute of you. Good job. Let me give you the m- further details." Like literally, James Bond guessed his plan, and then he said, "But wait, there's more." <laughs> you you wonder where some of these tropes ever came from now, or you know now where these tropes ever came from. Yeah, that you yeah, ever see like, like your The Incredibles? Oh, you sly dog! You got me monologuing. <laughs> that whole stick, right? A really that's good all, impression, by the way. That's where all this is. Like, oh man! So James it, it, Bond saves the day, though. Yes, yes. The, the, there's, there's really only two, two things that need to be noted. One, James Bond uses gadgets to uh, literally blow Mister Big up, like, like he puts a, a, like a, um, a capsule in his mouth that creates air. Oh. And he fills up like a balloon and explodes at the at, at the ceiling of his underground lair. Oh my! Because they showcased the the watch magnet. Did he ever actually use that in the movie? Oh, he used it like three times. Yeah. When? Because yeah, I guess maybe I missed him. Did he use it at the very end? At, at the end, he not only used it as a watch magnet. Uh, he he also used it as a watch saw. Oh my goodness! And cut and yeah, and 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 cut through a a rope with his watch saw. You know, I don't know why I have a harder time 
with that sort of gadget logic as opposed to later in one of the Pierce Brosnan ones where he has a watch with a laser. Right, I, I somehow the, the, that's actually way better. more realistic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, all right. Well, that uh, sounds like I missed out on a on an ending. Maybe we can add that in in post that I saw the last fifteen minutes, and it's I say whatever. Who knows? Maybe we won't yeah, do that. Yeah, no, you you do need to watch the last fifteen minutes of that movie. Like, I'll do that because because most oddly, like most of my critique is not necessarily re- re- referential to it, but absolutely applies to the last 15 minutes. It probably, yeah, you're probably right, because when I think about, as you've talked about this, when I think about the rest of the movie, less happens in the rest of the movie in some weird way, or just not as bombastic things mm-hmm. really happen I, that I can think of offhand. I, I mean, I guess you do have the whole boat scene. That, that's probably the only other one where some where shit, where, you know, stuff happens. Off the top of my head, but so yeah. to move on into analyses more of the rest of the movie, what did you think of the overall movie? So uh, this was who Roger Moore? Uh huh. That his name? Okay. Yep. Um, I don't know. Like this is the most cartoonish. Like of the three that we've watched so far, mm-hmm. like the the bad guy was cartoonish. The like his his cronies were cartoonish. Even the action was was very like, uh, oh man! Again, he like he he literally inflated someone like a balloon in the in the last scene, and made him explode. Do you, do you also consider cartoonish when he does the? the hairspray flamethrower on the snake. Is that cartoonish as well to you? Or is that a little it's, different? It's unnecessary. Okay. <laughs> but I wouldn't call it cartoonish. No. Okay. Uh, like, like, like the, 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 the black lady who is just a buffoon. Right. Rose. And, 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 or Rosie. and yeah, Rose, like she was very cartoonish. Like the, everything it, it was like, it was almost like we were watching a James Bond parody. It's 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 like they leaned into every single trope to the point that it was funny. Yeah, I I feel like if they kind of I can see where you're kind of saying that without having seen the last few minutes. I feel like if they took out Rosie or if they just made her more realistic or, you know, more of a serious character or something like that, more of a real figure, Mm. maybe it would have felt different. But you do have her going through. The movie, and and it's been a while since I'd seen it, so I forgot exactly how she played out as a character. And I, when they introduced her, I'm like, oh, that's cool. This lady is a CIA agent, so that kind of means something, you know. When you hear somebody say, "Oh, I'm a CIA agent," that people have a certain standard of you, like if you're a doctor, a lawyer, right? Mm -hmm. And but then, as the character act comes out, and they definitely introduce it and say that you know this is only my second mission or whatever, so she's definitely fresh, but. Boy, she seems fresh. Yeah. Like, she hadn't even been through something. She, she's just, like, like kind of ridiculously a, a pansy. Like, she sees the uh, the hat in the hotel room and just freaks out about mm-hmm. it. And, and I understand that there's superstition attached to these things for the character. So yeah. I get it. But it's almost, like you kind of said, I wouldn't say cartoonish, but it is very dramatic. 
like when she sees that hat, she's like, get it out of here. You know, she's just <laughs> over the moon about she doesn't want nothing to do with it. Well, the thing is, is that scene doesn't really make sense until you get to the very end and you see the you know, the rituals and stuff that have to do with like the hat and, you know, how animals are treated and snakes and, and, and shit like, yeah, it kind of makes sense in the story they're telling. I just don't know if it was necessary at all. Like there's so much yeah. unnecessary shit in this movie. I, I could see that. And, and funny enough, I have a different understanding of thing of, of the Baron Somdi character than I did when I originally saw the movie. Cause I didn't know anything about, and I still know roughly very little, but Baron Somdi is this sort of, we'll say deity or, 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 or mythical figure in, I think Louisiana culture or, mm-hmm. or voodoo culture. So I'll be interested. I will be interested to see the last 15 minutes or so of the movie to cause just because I do know a little more about the character. And this is the first, I believe this one is the first one where they kind of have supernatural elements to it. I don't, I don't yeah. think and, even and, the ones we hadn't seen have. And and there's not a lot. I'm, I, I'm not going to say the last 15 minutes is full of supernatural shit. It's just, it wasn't it is there. Like, it, it's there. And it, was surprising. Yeah. Even if supernatural things aren't person, maybe that's not as big of a thing, but it's still the hat, right? That's some supernatural superstition kind of thing. The tarot cards are supernatural su- things. There, there's definitely the elements there and that we hadn't even touched on the tarot cards. Oh my God. To, to say about supernatural things. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I feel like we might have to add a section at some point where maybe I'll have a line of talking about James Bond's quips, his little one-liners. Dude. He had some – Roger Moore is the one-liner guy. Absolutely. <laughs> Bro, he like, – he, oh, man. Go, go he, ahead. He, he might be the original inventor of the dad joke. He might be. Because <laughs> every he's, single he's, one of his jokes was just a terrible fucking dad joke. Bro, I, I love I love plenty of them. There's there's one when he when Rosie first kind of gets introduced in the hotel room and all, and she talks about how she's new. And you know James Bond, we're supposed to know the character up to this point. Right? We're supposed to have seen all the movies, not three, but we know enough. And mm-hmm. she talks about being new and he says, oh, I think we can lick you into shape. I just like, died a little bit. It's like so, that's so. Uh, it's so good. Is it? It's so good. It's Who so, says that? James fucking Bond, because he, he is going to lick shape. you. He is going to lick you, woman. Lick you into shape is not a like. That's not a sentence people say. It it isn't. You know, and and that's kind of a little more of the time, right? That that is an interesting thing to maybe think about too. Is the the con- the the time frame of these movies as we go through them. Granted, we're going to jump a whole decade for the next one. I think. <laughs> I, I I'm think, really excited for the next one. I think uh, the Living Daylights is made in the 80s. Yeah. And this was made in 73, I think. Yeah. So that I don't know. It's it's in when I think. <clears throat> excuse me. When I think about it, it's an interesting kind of jump. To see these movies, yeah, I, I've and and it's it's funny that you say, uh, you know how 
you kind of have to look at the context of time of, you know, when you're watching it, because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of really offensive stuff in this movie. I think some of it possibly is. And I kind of, I couldn't help given the current climate. Funny enough, I was going to lead into that for just a little segment of it. No, go ahead. The, uh, I tried to look for it a little bit, and, and maybe I didn't look hard enough or wasn't thinking about it. I didn't think about it early enough, whatever. But I did think it was either way interesting that the that it's just black people are very dominant in this movie, and yep. that's not anything that happened before this movie, and I don't think it's anything that really happens after the movie. I think this is the only one where there's a black villain, a black crew, black culture largely is in the movie. And I think I think, I, I think there's a reason for that. Uh, why it didn't come, happen or why it's in this one? Why it's in this one. Uh, I'll come back to it. Because mm. uh, I'm going to do some research real quick. Okay. I I wonder if it just has to do with... And I wonder if it's an order of operations thing too. Like today. So this is one of the, I can't remember if this is the first one where James Bond is in America. I don't think it is. I can't remember if one of the other Sean Connery ones had him in America first. Like maybe Diamonds Are Forever he was. I'm not sure. Let, hmm. Let's just for the moment, I need to be fact-checked. Let's say it is. They Did they pick New Orleans and New York before? Or did they say, we want to have, we want to put black people in the movie and make them a dominant presence in the movie, or did they go the other way with it? Like, did they say Louisiana and like, well, black culture is a big thing there. Uh, actually, uh, I'm done with my research mm -hmm. and uh, it's exactly what I thought it was. Um, I'm sure you've heard of black exploitation films, right? I have, I'm not overly familiar with them. I think like Foxy Brown is an example of it, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. What well, what is black exploitation? Uh, so let's the, see. By definition, it's a mm -hmm. sub it's a subgenre of exploitation film that emerged in the in the United States during the early seventies. The films, while popular, suffered backlash for disproportionate numbers of stereotypical film characters showing bad or questionable motives, including roles as criminals. And this is, of course, black characters. Mm -hmm. And many of the films, like Blackula. Uh, Shaft, <laughs> Superfly, um, Blackula. Yeah, Blackula. <laughs> That's Actually, like Koshferatu. What is it? <laughs> there's also a Blackenstein. Oh my goodness, Blackenstein. Um, but according to this Wikipedia page, like black exploitation films started in '70, and Live and Let Die is actually listed under the black exploitation like page. So, so it's just exploiting. Uh, black people. That's what it like. That's like what black, black culture is. Black, black stereotypes. Culture. Yeah. So, okay. so it's exactly what I thought it was, and it's all over this film. It it definitely is. It's there. There's a lot of, I, and I don't. I just don't understand black exploitation enough. But it's. I mean, it's definitely black dominant, and and all the black people. Yeah. Most of the black characters are the bad guys, or informants yeah. for the bad guys. Um, yeah, like, and it's, don't get me wrong, it's absolutely fine for a black person to be the bad guy. Sure. In this film, it's like every single black person was the bad guy. 
Like it was just a collective. There, was, there were a lot of this. Like, like even even the 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 cab driver that he he like he yeah, rode he gets, with was in on it. Like, yeah, every black person was in on it. Right, and the whole funeral funeral procession into parade. I'll call it that. Mm-hmm. Right, it, in in the beginning of the movie, it's a funeral procession, and they kill a guy, and then it transitions to a parade, and they show that later. Again, I don't know yeah. if there's any resolution to whether that character lives or dies. I think the assumption is he's dead because they did I, turn yeah. it into a, because in the first scene, which by the way, baller ass scene. You're talking about the first funeral, the, yeah, the first like, march of it. Yeah, it's yeah, a really he, good scene. Like, n- there's no explanation as to what's happening except, oh, it's a funeral. And then it's like, oh, well, whose funeral? Yours. Stabs Stab. him. Throws him on the ground, and then they pick him up with the casket. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That is fantastic filmmaking. It, it is. That's really, it's a really cool scene. And, and that makes me wonder, and it's not to say, it, this is not me saying it doesn't exist. I wonder if it's necessarily bad in certain aspects. Uh, is, some aspects are black exploitation. And some areas, I wonder if they're just fine as they are. And so, for instance, you you say so. Mister Big is the bad guy, right? Right. He's the black guy. He employs, it seems like nothing but black people. True. That doesn't seem like a stretch. It doesn't seem like a bad thing. Right. And 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 the thing is, is if he's based out of Harlem and New Orleans, sure, that's completely believable. Right. Make it makes sense. It's not like he's in. Aspen, Colorado, and somehow all of the black folks are on his payroll. <laughs> it it um, makes sense, Louisiana, and, or New Orleans, and all. Yeah. It, if anything, I would may, maybe argue the like. What what do you really think the biggest egregious thing is of the black exploitation of the movie? Is like, it the Rosie character? No, 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 no. Okay. Like, I'm like my biggest concerns and and. Mind you, I say this not being equipped to actually answer it. Right, very, very big asterisk on all this. Uh, my biggest concern is the the ceremony at the end of the movie, with all of the uh, the, the, the voodoo and all of the you know, like the ritual and mm-hmm. all of the the like the the Cajun just like voodoo stuff. Like, yeah, I don't know if that's offensive. I my in my heart of hearts, I feel like it probably is, but again. I'm not equipped to, to to say whether it is or not. It just feels like it is. And and just to ask, I guess. And and I don't know either. One, I hadn't seen it obviously, so that that hurts me even saying much about it. If those rituals are things that are part of that culture, you know, the culture of voodoo. If those rituals are part of it or have been, would it be offensive? Then do you think? I don't know. I, 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 again, I I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, on the on the flip side, something that I can tell you is absolutely offensive mm-hmm. is the extended scenes with the extremely Cajun and redneck uh, s- sheriff. You know what? Funny enough, you say that. I yeah, I can kind of see that too. And I actually tried to pay attention to it uh, because one of the earlier his earlier appearances of or early interactions is. He stops the one of uh, Mr. Big's henchmen, gets him mm-hmm. out of the car, right? Calls him boy. A lot. And a lot. That said, though, 
he also calls other characters boy. True, and, true. Because I definitely noticed that when he first calls him boy, I was like, oh, oh, no, don't tell, no, not you, James Bond, don't do that. <laughs> but then as the scene progresses, you hear him call other other white characters boy. So he's just, it's just boy. Like, he's just an old, old dude, and that's just what he says. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that it's specifically racist, but he definitely fits the narrative for it. Otherwise. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like he he is he is playing that part, and yeah. th- th- that part is very clear. Um, but the the reason I feel like the the like the the whole ritual scene is probably offensive mm-hmm. is because they don't shy away from offensive shit in this movie. And I guess we at and least speaking no from myself, to, it's what nineteen seventy what three, right? It's only what less than ten years after civil rights and all. Yeah, yeah, it's literally the height of black exploitation, like. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's kind of expected. So, so, so watching this movie through the lens of the time it came out, as you said, is probably your best move because mm-hmm. otherwise, it's it's very easy to get uh, and I don't want to use this word, but get triggered by this. It just just the laissez-faire nature of just interaction. Yeah, do you? In in saying some of that without knowing more of the other stuff for myself, and uh, is that a, is the scene you're referring to offensive? I don't know. I definitely don't know enough to about what actually happened and what if it is offensive. Do you think the character James Bond was offensive in the movie in in playing his um, part in a black exploitation movie towards the black people? No. I guess just as a whole, was, like, was he offensive like, to black people? He, no, no, he's he's offensive to you know, he he's a womanizer, you know. Right. But that's just the character. No, I I don't think he did anything that was explicitly racist. No. Yeah, and and I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear that. I'm, and I feel the same way because if if yeah. anything, my thought would be, like, let's say somebody could draw a parallel with like, oh, look how he's treating this woman and or, or this guy or this character. Dude, he treats everybody like that, <laughs> right? <laughs> Nobody is different. That, like Quarrel Junior, which I thought that was a wonderful throwback. Yeah, because Quarrel yeah. was the guy from Doctor No. Yep. Uh, even you could maybe somebody could say like, "Oh, look at this! Look at this James Bond white fellow in char- charging around this black man." He would do that to anybody in the same position. Yeah, yeah. He would treat like, that it, person the same way, and he wasn't shitty to him. He's maybe ordered Carl Junior. Yeah, he was. No, he like he was an ally. Like, right? Yeah, it, I'll be interested it, to see if any other movies really do. So I don't think any other ones do black exploitation, but I'll definitely be paying attention to see if any other movies have, you know, black characters in in a role or any sort of thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're going to skip over. We won't see the other one, the other notable one, for a while. That's a, a View to a Kill, and it has a character named Mayday in it, who's a female henchman to Christopher Walken. Oh, a, a black female henchman. <laughs> nice. And and she is. She's badass. So it's it's unfortunate we're going to be missing that one for a little while. And it's actually also unfortunate we're going to miss. Uh, the redneck sheriff 
again. He's another. He's in another Roger Moore movie. He comes back. He comes back, was, baby. Was he that beloved of a character by popular demand. I don't. I'm. I'm just stressing saying that. I have no idea. But he he 100 percent gets brought back in another movie. I think it's the man with the golden gun. And he's great. I mean, he's an idiot, and, and he plays the part of being a buffoon. Let's uh, like, okay, all right, all right. I, I feel like we did that topic justice. I have stuff I need to say. All right, go go ahead. That still boat about scene? an analysis, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. That right. boat scene, mm-hmm. stupid, cool as <laughs> shit. So oh, okay. cool. <laughs> so cool. I thought you were going to say it's like stupid and bad. I didn't think you were no, going to think it's it was No, it's stupid cool. good. So cuz cuz I I felt like somebody sat in a writers room and was like what is what are the dumbest fucking things we can do with a boat? <laughs> and then Probably. they just shot all of them. <laughs> Bro, I think I definitively don't give a shit about boats, about boat scenes, about this kind of shit. I really don't. Car, or even car chases, right? I, I feel like the any of these sort of vehicle s- showcases like that, mm-hmm. I, man, I don't care. Can and, we and please get to something else? The the thing is, is like with old movies like this, like that is that's the spectacle. Sure, yeah, I, I can I can see that. You know, you don't have graphics you don't you know you can't take someone to you know deep into outer space and show some psychedelic outer space shit like you gotta you get a boat scene <laughs> do, you, do you think all of these things were very practical effects everything everything in this movie looked like a practical pra- practical effect yeah and and i guess i should ask I, i'm not as familiar with practical effects is so you know in star wars how some of the things they ever did was they put a camera on a toy Right or a model of a thing, mm-hmm. so it's not like they had a real giant spaceship. Of course, they just had a model of it. Made yeah, it look- just a miniature. Yeah, right. Do you think they is is that also a practical effect when yeah. they do that? Okay, yeah. so it's maybe a wrong thing to have asked. Was this all practical? Of course, it probably was. I didn't see yeah. any fake looking backgrounds. I don't. I don't even think there were that many miniatures at all. Like it, a, a lot of the stuff was just done by really. Like ballsy stuntmen, because mm-hmm. they they flip some cars, they 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 you yeah. know they crash some boats. Like they they had some, they had some, some fun. Like yeah, some legit action action scenes. What was uh? Did you have like maybe a favorite moment of the of the chase, or was it just kind of all good to you? My f- oh, favorite. Or did anything you know? Did anything stand out? Even just whichever, however you want to word it. Um. Oh, <laughs> there, there was one moment that stood out. I don't think it stood out because it was good, but it stood out because it was really funny. Mm-hmm. Was a uh, they had set up this this obviously a boat ramp that was supposed to be you know th- that Bond was gonna ramp over, and then those chasing him would just ramp over it behind him. Mm-hmm. Well, he was being chased by like three other boats. Bond makes the jump. Next guy makes the jump. Third guy makes the jump. Fourth guy opts uh, opts out of jumping and just drives his boat into a tree. <laughs> like what kind of where did you get these henchmen, man? And I was like, why leave that in the movie? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you got to show him how, how he loses them, I guess, right? You I, I can't guess, just I guess. like wait, weren't there four boats behind him? Where'd that fourth one go? 
What happened? You you really put the editor in a bad position <laughs> by just driving that thing into a tree. It was real bad. Uh, I I, th- I think the other standout was um. Oh, what was it? Oh, the scene in New York when, when uh the the driver pulls up next to the cabbie and shoots him, and James Bond has to drive from the back seat. Oh right, yeah yeah, yeah. uh huh. Like I felt that scene as a person who drives. <laughs> I All felt right. that scene. I was like, "Oh shit, man!" As as a person who reads, every time that girl flipped over a tarot card, I, I was really in that scene. <laughs> Jeez, Jeez, man. Yeah, yeah, but 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 I'm I'm starting to get a get, get like my sea legs when it comes to understanding what a James Bond movie is. Okay, and I feel like. The real bread and butter of the series is the action scenes. Yeah, it, it probably is. It's like supposed to be the women, the locale, the gadgets, and the act, and certain, and at least one action scene in probably all of them. Yeah, yeah, because like big ones. Again, in in this film, we didn't know what was going on until like deep into Act Two. When when Mr. Big was finally all like, oh, I'm trafficking heroin. Right, yeah, when Bond finds the big pat, big uh, growing area of heroin. Yeah, yeah, and and it, at least Mr. Big, that was his name, right, Mr. Big? I Yes, because he, I, I keep saying Mr. Big because it's easier than saying Dr. Kananga, because uh, he, was both, right. he was both characters, which I thought was a really neat reveal. I, <laughs> I I don't know if you could you could see this, but I was like, "What's wrong with that guy's face?" With Why when he was face mi- when, when okay. he had the mask on. Uh huh. I was like, "What is wrong with that guy's face?" I, I definitely didn't pay attention to it. You're right. He, yeah, and then he started pulling his face off, and which was funny for so many reasons. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the reveal of that in in mind is neat. The the in in action was ridiculous. It's like ripped off his nose and it's just got the excess sitting there and he rips off another little part. It's, it definitely just looks kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like when he starts pulling his nose, you expect there to be a huge reveal and most of his face comes off and then he just (laughs) pulls the nose off. (laughs) (laughs) And I appreciate, I I would love to know what the, like that'd be an interesting commentary moment. Well, really what happened here with, with Mr. Big, he, the, the mask didn't break off properly. So he just broke off the nose, but you know, good, good gracious, Gerald was a real sport about it. He just stayed in character the whole time, and it was great. <laughs> Something like that. Yes, yes, like that. That's that's a very good commentary moment. I, I, I will absolutely give you that. Because I, you look at something as a somewhat of a parallel, same sport, not the same, not one for one because of the scene difference in Django Unchained when. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and they're having the big dinner scene and they figure out that spoilers for Django Unchained that Leonardo figures out he's getting swindled by Christoph Waltz and and Jamie Foxx right and he slams his hand down on the table and he like cuts his hand he he stabs his hand or breaks his hand or something in Mm -hmm. the scene and that motherfucker just goes he doesn't flinch. He doesn't stop. But he fucked up his hand as a result of it, a little bit. Not, not fucked up like for the forever in the future. But it's lit- in the scene. It's literally bleeding. That was unintentional, 
but Leonardo DiCaprio carried on and didn't flinch. Wow. Yeah, that's... go go look that up if you didn't know that. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, that's that's a bad that's a bad mamma jamma right so, there. So 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 you're equating mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio actually bleeding in a scene to uh-huh. a guy's mask nose coming off too fast. Look, I said it's it's base it's in the same sport like baseball. I didn't say it was in the ma- they're both in the major leagues. I just said it's in the same sport. Fair. fair. It's, the, it's in the same sport that he continued the seriousness, right? He rips off the nose, realizes, damn, it's just the nose. Gotta stay in character though. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, good on him. That's this good on him. Yeah. Yeah. Go James Bond can't catch a break. He thought he figured it out. That I you know what I had a problem when I sat in a booth one time i'm not sitting against the wall to get turned around again so i'm gonna sit in this open ass area <laughs> and then his ass gets lowered down into the room again <laughs> like boy you you can't can you, you tried so, james bond you so tried. stupid and so funny it's i actually that's kind of cartoonish but i think it's actually kind of great i was i really appreciate that the character learned and tried to do something different like he like he does try and do he improvises and makes adjustments, but it just didn't matter this time. Yeah, yeah. So it's so good. Uh, that, like that's I think that's the charm to this movie. What's like, that? The, the, uh, and 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 maybe that's a Roger Moore thing. As as I see more of his movies, just the the charm of the like the wink and the nod. It's like we know this is ridiculous, mm-hmm. but we're going to entertain you with it, so it doesn't matter. I, I think that's probably a fair assessment. If if there's one, if one of them is that way, I think it's him. He he just enjoyed the character. He enjoyed what he was doing, and and I and I do. I think he just you know smile and nod, a little wink at the audience. We get it, but we're gonna have fun with it, guys. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. It, that that's really the the attitude of this entire movie. Mm. Um, let's talk about the tarot cards. What do you got on the tarot cards? Tara. So, 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 so solitaire played uh-huh. by Dr. Quinn, medicine woman herself. Jane Is that Seymour? who that was? Yes. Okay. She looked a little familiar, but I, I never would have guessed it was uh medicine woman ever. Never would have <laughs> never would have yeah. guessed that. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I would say this is the first Bond girl that has been a stunner. Oh, yeah. yeah the first one we've seen. I think the, the, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. In in the in our little canon that we're creating here, yeah, she's the first one. Yeah, I, th- I think Pussy Galore might equally be a stunner, but yeah, she she was she was she was beautiful. Yeah, and and the part she played made sense to the to the to the movie. It also made sense. She's in the role that she's in, but doesn't have to do any heavy lifting. When it comes to acting or like story stuff, right? She can just she just can can just kind of be there in the background and be pretty. Yeah, and she she definitely is. If you know, not having again, not having seen the last fifteen minutes, but I doubt much changed in that time. She's she does less in this movie than say Ursula Andrews in Doctor No, no. yeah, and Tracy in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. She's definitely a lot more eye candy than yeah. than anything or a prize to be had or something kind of that sort of thing. 
Yeah, and and the tarot card stuff is so dumb. <laughs> it, and not like dumb good dumb, like actual yeah. dumb. It's like dumb, dumb, dumb. Like li- literally, th- her character convinced herself that she needed to sleep with James Bond because the cards told her to, which is literally the opposite of psychic. <laughs> well, but it's I don't know that she's even supposed to be psychic, right? It, it's maybe something akin to it, but it's not even. It's not even that. The cards are telling her what is going to happen. The cards are telling her what's going to happen, not herself, not her, not her own visions. She, she draws a card, and, and, and she interprets from that. And then, the card then tells is, her what to do. What is her power? Understand. She's a, she's a dealer? <laughs> kind of, yeah. She, she's just a dealer with a connection. right? She, draw, she draws a card and knows what the interpretation of the card is. Okay. Kind of, th- I'm kind of ballparking on that. So don't you know? Don't take me to task on it. I'm not dying on that hill, but it, <laughs> I'm under that kind of impression. Whereas a psychic, you know, let, let's go full force on the power. You can see what is happening, right? You, it's going in your mind, that kind of thing. Whereas yeah. this is, we're talking, you know, what what is James Bond doing? Draw a card. Death. He's gonna die. Right. It's, you, yeah, it's, like that's it's all interpretation. That's just this. This is okay. Whatever. Yeah. Right. It, it's you're it's, right. It's not psychic. That's the point. A, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's like oh, <laughs> oh. Looks like minute. we're gonna fuck. Look at the I, card you pulled. <laughs> I liked. I sort of liked that they did the reveal that Bond stacked the deck against her with the lever card. Where Where did he get that? When he where, saw where Where yeah. did he get it? Hold on. Are you being me right now? Maybe. Yes, yes, yes. I, I'll be playing the part of Reed today. He saw the tarot card shop. And so he and just bought a shit ton of that one card? He either... I don't I don't even know if it's like that, right? Is is that how tarot cards work? Can you buy them piecemeal? Or do you buy a deck? Ask like how James many lovers, Bond. He apparently knows how. He figured it out, I guess. Like, yeah, how many... How, is it a deck? How many lover cards come in a deck? Or can you buy them piecemeal? Uh, I'll take thirty-seven of the lover, please. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would have been interested. I think that'd have been a funny scene to see him kind this of piece get that me to... through. This will get me through like six or seven movies at least. <laughs> <laughs> that said, though, because I because at first I had to I had to double back to correct myself because I see that the tarot card thing or him with all the lover cards, and I'm like, oh man, this this is kind of messed up. He he actually kind of. He, he manipulated this woman and fucked her, literally and figuratively. You know, mm-hmm. he actually kind of cheats her in this situation. And yeah. I think, oh, wait, but no, he doesn't. Like, okay, in a vacuum in the moment he kind of does, but she had already seen the lover card. It had already been revealed to her about him. So he didn't really cheat her. He cheated her in the moment to get her in the bed right then and there. Well, but like it was considering all of that stuff is bullshit anyway. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was just dumb, mm-hmm. and whatever, whatever. All but, right. But the last thing, very last thing. Okay. When you ask James Bond, "Did you touch her?" Uh-huh. and he doesn't say no, you know the answer is yes. It's. I, I really liked his answering methods though i really appreciated it but yeah it's like come on man a, a like, gentleman doesn't tell it's like a gentleman would say say no 
I, I don't know. I think I think it is actually supposed to be gentlemanly at the time or of that uh, culture. I'm going to say culture because I can't think of it. That, that way of being like chivalry, stuff like that. I, I think it is. You're not supposed to have those kind of conversations. You're not supposed to answer those kind of questions because they're a certain thing. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Don't know enough about that. Maybe maybe my, my millennialness is coming out. Whatever. I mean, it's fair. <laughs> it's, it makes sense. Back to it being cartoonish. Okay. The scene where he runs across the top of the crocodiles. <clears throat> oh, okay. That's another one of those things that stood out as, I can't believe they got away with this in a legit movie. Uh. You- I would I would say you should look that up. I actually look that up right now, and I'll try and fill up the, the space and make it look seem magical like you knew, and see if that I believe those were real. All of that was real. All of that was real. All of it was real. That maybe not Roger Moore, but a stuntman uh, walked over crocodiles. Uh, it just it's I, I I'm pretty sure I saw Bugs Bunny doing that once. <laughs> let's we'll, we'll look check it out check, let's let, let's fa- let's do this one no, fact like, check. i kind of want to know for myself so what we're what we're what i'm putting forward i'll speak for myself about it not put master lugo in in the place and thank you for sticking around for this bit of an extended analysis section i know this is longer than what it normally is there's apparently just a lot we had to say about it according to I'm going to say express.co.uk. I don't know Mm -hmm. how accurate (laughs) that source is. It was the first one that popped up. They were real crocodiles. And did he, did he really, did Roger Moore perform the scene? Does it happen to say that? Uh, Let's see. Or was it a stuntman? Good old stuntman. What, what would Hollywood really do without stuntman? I don't think it could exist if, you know, no, no, no. We're getting off topic. You don't want George. You don't want George Clooney's foot being bitten off. No, no, no. You don't. You don't. You know. You know. And, and it on was, that, yeah, it was a stunt double. It was a stunt double. It was okay. Good, yeah. good job, stunt double. You're the man. <clears throat> cool. So, I don't know if that means anything to you to know that that scene was real. No, no. It's it's still ridiculous, <laughs> but. <laughs> It's it's impressive. I'll 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 at least say that. Yeah, at least at least they went the whole nine yards with it, right? It wasn't just fake props for a ridiculous scene. It was real real alligators for a ridiculous scene. <laughs> um. All right. So we're gonna move on to our next. Se- any anything else? And it's okay no, if you got no, something that, else. No, anything I'm else? so I'm I'm actually really excited to talk about music. So let's just go straight to it. All right. So we're moving on into our section the dose and talking about music and and i'll lead just for a second correct me if i'm wrong with saying this this is the first one with a real licensed song or a song produced for the movie right and with a with a legitimate i say legitimate as if the people who made the dr no song and honor met like they weren't real composers right but this is a band that they got to do this movie and all that kind of stuff Yes. Is, is any of that right? Uh, I I think so. Like Okay, I'm sorry. Uh give me just a second. All right. Wrong song. Oh, oh okay. No, that that is kind of fair. 
They, but that at least the difference with that one, that one was not the title song. Right, right, but right. but so that, that yeah, that Louis Armstrong song was written for the movie. Looks like it, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know yeah. that. Okay, well, it does have maybe it then does have the distinction for the first one with an actual song or a sing a sung song, a, a lyrical song. I don't know what the right word is. It's it's just a, just a song. Well, do you not call a song that's pl- like the James Bond theme, theme song? Is that... It's a th- it's a theme song. It's a theme. So- it all right. So it's the first it's, theme look... song produced with lyrics for there you go. the series. And maybe I cannot tell you. No, no, that's how... not true. That's not. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Just go ahead. Go ahead. It is it's such a first. good song. It and is. It like the, like the the song has literally outlived the movie by thirty years. It really has. I. Before you get in, hold that thought for two seconds. I want to jump back on correcting myself. This is not the first one with a real license. It's the first of what it's maybe the first one we're seeing because Diamonds Are Forever had a lyrical theme song. Uh, you Only Live Twice had a lyrical theme song. Like So there have been other ones, so I want to yeah. just correct so, myself so actually, on saying something. Actually, just for... I, I guess so we can make make this much easier in the future. When mm. we say it's the first one, we're referring to the first one of our canon. Okay, yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it, and we'll we'll do our best to say it and clarify it, or we just won't say it. But you know, we'll clarify yeah. it if we do. So J- just just know that we're going by the ones that we've watched for this series. Mm-hmm. Okay, good call. Uh, so "Live is, and Let Die" is such a good mm-hmm. song. It is was. Before we go too deep into that, was was it made for the movie? Yes. Or okay. Yeah. And and it's Paul McCartney, right? It is. It is Paul McCartney and Wings. And Wings, which is which is the band that he uh, created uh, when once the uh, the Beatles broke up. So is so was is it always Paul McCartney and Wings, or is it just the band Wings? It's typically credited as Paul McCartney and Wings. Okay. But there is no just wings. Gotcha. But back to your point. Yes, this song, that's a phenomenal song. I l- I've loved the shit out of that song since I heard it in this movie. And it's, it's, just, it's just a good song on its own. Yeah, yeah, like this this song still gets play on classic rock radio stations to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, was, it was covered by Guns N' Roses in the early 90s. And that version gets a lot of play on classic rock stations. Like "Live and Let Die" is <clears throat> at this point in American, like in in the canon of American cinema, and and like pop culture, it's a song before it's a movie. That's how popular the song is. Ah, like people think of the song before they ever think of the movie. Yes, gotcha. What do you? So what do you think the insp- – maybe not inspiration. Well, you, you tell me and kind of extrapolate from what I'm asking, I guess. The, what do you think the inspiration or the style of the song was? Because like you said that it plays on classic rock, but they, the, some of the tunes in the song don't sound very rockish, at least as I understand rock, I guess. Yeah, well, like when Paul McCartney left the Beatles and, and started Wings – there were he experimented a lot with songs that didn't have traditional song structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, th- that's and and it's that's very prevalent in the Wings hit uh, "Band on the Run." 
And okay. live and let live and let die kind of carries that same attitude where you, know, you sing a part of it, and then when you go into the chorus, it completely changes into a different song. Right. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of orchestral stuff in it, which doesn't necessarily mean it's not a rock song. Mm. Uh, it, it you know it's not like your traditional you know guitar bass drums and guy singing rock song, but. It still can be rock song. It's still yeah yeah rock is is such a it's a it, that, that's such a fluid term that this one very much fits into that you know I, I would and this this may be blasphemy but I, I would put this song in the same bucket that I would put say Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay, uh, you know I'm not the music guy here, so I don't think what I say carries a lot of weight about it. I I can see that though, like they throughout the song the tone kind of changes at different points i don't know if that's what you're kind of getting at but i can maybe they sound have some similar sound structure beats to them yeah and 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 i'm i don't mean like the the individual you know like the minutia of the song but just the idea that music can be anything rock music can be anything mhm and okay the you know the artist is willing to take a single song in three or four different directions. Gotcha. Do you? With that said, the song is fucking amazing. Yeah, it's probably. I would have to assume it's the biggest song. Yes. Out of all of the James Bond movies, challenged maybe, probably not though. Maybe by Skyfall. Maybe. Because Adele did that one. Yeah. Like, the numbers may point to Skyfall, just, like, success-wise. But longevity-wise, this one wins every day. Oh, sure, like, yeah. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Skyfall definitely got played on the radio and all. And and it was and it's a good song. I, I think it's a very good song for, you know, my taste of music. But, it, yeah. I mean, this one has... We'll, we'll, we'll ask that question again in 20 years. In 30 years. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. And if Live and Let Die is still playing, you've got to sit in the back. Of the, I don't know. You know, it's still the L- winner. Live and Let Die will live forever. Yeah. It, it probably will. Now, probably with that so. said, the use of the song in the opening, like, like the opening credit sequence with the skulls and the, again, nipples, like, yeah. The opening of Live and Let Die is absolutely stunning. Yeah, it's a good opening. Yeah. You're, like, you're more I was so ready to watch that movie <laughs> after that opening because I was like, this, this song cut with all of these, you know, James Bond centric, like, iconic the imagery. Yeah, uh-huh. the imagery. It, it's, it's absolutely perfect. Now remind me, and I think I think this is right. The funeral procession and all happens before the the intro song, right? Yes, yes. The three murders happen prior to. So that is pretty good, especially since you said you liked the funeral procession so good, that scene so much. Then you lead into the intro song. It's like, man, I'm I'm ready to go. Ready oh to go, yeah, boy, let's do this. The beginning of this movie is fucking amazing. Yeah. But then it takes a hard. It slows down a bit. <laughs> it slows down and then kind of skids into a big circle. <laughs> then it hits mm-hmm. a tree and then they jump out and do a little jig. You know, it's <laughs> it's 
it, 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 it takes some, some turns. Right. All right. Well, did you, do you really have anything else to say since this is probably going to be the, the bigger song of the, probably any of the movies. Do you, is there really anything else that you wanted to go into? Uh, I get, think the last thing is I did not like at all the use of the song in the movie. Right. When they were just kind of just playing the music. Yeah. Right? And even, even the section where the, the black woman is on stage singing it. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't mind that one for me, I guess. And I, but I'm not the music guy and in, in, especially in this way, but yeah, I mean, I can see that. Maybe if that was the only other time they used it, it would have been mm-hmm. fine. But yeah. having it as the opening song and then woven into like four action sequences and her singing it halfway through, mm-hmm. by the third act, I was done with it. I'm actually curious now that we now that you bring that up, and the 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 woman in the intro is shadowed enough, so it's hard for me to know. But she, at a cursory glance, she looks similar. I wonder if it's the same person. It's possible. In the the one that's in the intro song in the center of the screen, and then uh, she tr- transitions into a skull, and then back to the woman. I think, or just that that person. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's the same person singing the song later. I don't know. All right. Does that does that cover it for you? That covers it. All right. So we're going to move on to our next section, and that is going to be tropes. Tropes. Assuming we can kind of carry that on and there's enough to kind of go about. The first thing we will do is at least talk about in the tropes is the kill count. The kill count. So what do you got? I like when I counted, I counted seven. Okay. Uh, when I, when I double checked my, my, my number, it was eight. Oh, uh, so uh, this, did and, he get that mostly at the end? Yeah. Most of them were at the end. Okay. But the, the thing is, is this movie has an interesting way of not telling you whether people are dead Mm-hmm. So there's at least two characters that are either shot or knocked down somewhere where there's no way for you to know if they actually died from their wound. So I'm assuming that the official kill count that I found on the internet is assuming those characters died. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and and also, I don't know if they count when he shot the the, the living statue. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's kind of fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's kind of ambiguous in this movie. So, so I'm fine with being wrong. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, he 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 killed he killed some people in this movie, and he killed people without being provoked. Like one dude, he just <laughs> shot. He just shot that dude. Yeah. Do you do you think this is the most murderous James Bond yet? Then that we've watched, yes, absolutely, yeah, that we've watched. Yeah. And do you really think most of it comes from that last third? I, I asked that because about, and I say it that way, a third, because maybe about halfway, about two-thirds, somewhere maybe up to the boat scene, I thought about it. It's like, man, he really, hadn't, he really hadn't killed anybody. The bad guys have killed other more people than he has so far. True. Killing snitches yeah. or whatnot. Yeah, there's at least three in the last 15 minutes. Four. Mm-hmm. Four, one, four in the last 15 minutes. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Well, were you? So were you? Is this a positive kill count to you, or is this a negative? Did Did you like it? Was this like, oh, these were good, or I don't even know if we've done that sort of metric to this <laughs> thing yet. But I guess we, I'm asking he, now. This movie would could not they have, have done better. They wouldn't have lost any quality had they cut his kill count in half. Uh, gotcha. Like four, four of the people that died did not have to die. Is I guess is what I'm saying. Did he have any cool kills? Other other than like exploding Mr. Big at the end. <laughs> sure, like that's probably the standout one, right? But yeah, was, I, was there I, anything that was like more a little more? Di- I don't know. That's still direct, but it's very direct. Um, <laughs> I, I guess the, the coolest one would be in the boat scene where he pours gasoline on the guy's face to where he couldn't see to drive his boat, and then oh, right. drove up next to his boat, hit the throttle to where it would just drive in a circle, and and then used his boat to direct him into the back of like a like a, a, a storage container that he immediately blew up. Oh, it's pretty brutal. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that—that oh, th- th- that was the one that, that took a lot of uh, took a lot of visual explanation. But I guess it it worked because <laughs> <laughs> I, I did kind of laugh at the end. I was like, "Oh, that's good job, Bond. <laughs> good, way, way to go, man. Way to improvise." Uh, let's. So, any other? So, another trope I want to go into is is the I always like the money penny one. Yeah, they they really didn't do a whole lot with it in this one. You know, they didn't have the whole I'm gonna throw my hat scene in the in the office and whatnot. And no, I, they, they did share a look though. They absolutely did, and like, and what a what a fucking trooper, bro. Like Money Penny is is that is your bottom bitch. Like she is just <laughs> she's the go to man. She is the goat of loyal ladies. I'll say that because. So early on in the scene, Bond or M comes to Bond's house. We'll say that, and probably he's just renting the space or something for a minute, or at someone's home. Oh no, no, he's at a known establishment for him. Anyway, M comes in and Bond's with somebody, with a woman, uh-huh. and Money Penny eventually comes in too. And all the while, Bond is trying to hide this woman or distract M to not see the woman where she may be. The woman yep. ends up hiding like in a cloak closet. Mm-hmm. Money Penny sees her go into it, and they and they share a little look. I thought that was kind of cute. That the uh, the miss the we'll call her mistress, not maybe not exactly right, but the mistress yeah. tells asks her not to say anything. And Money Penny's cool. She's down. She's all right. Yeah. And just goes hide in the closet. And later, M needs his jacket. Money Penny jumps, springs to action to get. Oh, I'll get that, sir! And gets the jacket and gives it to him. And they leave, and the woman's just still in the closet. And I'm like, damn, Money, Money Penny, you were so good. You were too yeah. good for James Bond. You were too good. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she's got his back. She really does, and I and I think it's a. I actually really do think it's very cute. It's been a long time since I've seen these movies, so this is kind of a new interpretation of those characters together to me mm-hmm. at least the older one like this is the i guess original money penny if i'm not mistaken i think they she's been the same since dr no oh really i didn't know that i think it's the same actress I, i'll have to double check my double check myself but i think it's the same one 
so it's just cool. really cute. Uh, while while they kind of do share flirtations, almost see them kind of in some weird twisted way as sort of a really really close friends and or, or siblings in some weird way maybe not actually siblings but they she just like you said she's got his back mm-hmm. like 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 M- money penny is solidly friend zoned right i mean <laughs> bond is too like by the i think bond really is too maybe in the first couple movies maybe not so maybe i think she's bond more could get that if he wanted that Oh, I mean, you're probably right. Like, just, I mean, plot, you know, not exactly plot armor, but plot sword. Absolutely. (laughs) Pun intended. He could absolutely, if he wanted it, he'd get that for sure. Yeah. But she's a ride or die. And she's She's, great. That's a great way to put it. (laughs) I was going to say something a little slightly different, but I'm going to leave it. I already said a bottom bitch, so I'm just going to leave it there. But she's ride or die, and I just I really just love it. I really enjoyed their interactions. Yeah. Um, the gadgets yet again. We still haven't seen at least in the movies we've watched thus far. No real Q Bond interactions in any That's of these, these three movies. You have it in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, but it's more of a I don't want to say lip service, but it's more fan service, right? Because of the gravity of the situation. Things yeah. like that of him getting married and all, so it's really unfortunate that so far we've kind of missed those two characters and and their personalities and whatnot. Fortunately, though, we'll we'll get there if if it's not in the Living Daylights, which will be the next one with Timothy Dalton. Yeah, I don't remember if Q's prominent with him in that movie or not. It'll absolutely be prominent in Goldeneye, and you <laughs> you will get to see it. Okay, Granted, it'll be okay. older and all, but it'll be it'll be great. You'll finally get to see the Q Bond relationship because it's it's a, it's also adorable. Cool. Were there were there any particular tropes that stood out to you that? Uh, I, I we well, we do have to keep count. Like he slept with three women in this movie. Okay. There was the one in the opening scene. <clears throat> then there was uh, Rosie. Rosie, and then there was Jane Seymour. What's the rosy ones a little I mean, okay, they they definitely say it. Yeah, she literally says after we what we just did. Right. She does say that. It it's all it's almost a little weirdly sly though. Like if you just happen to miss that line, you wouldn't know it. Because they're just kind of laying there with each other. And it's not crazy to think Bond would just lay with a woman and be be sly and romantic about it, but I don't know. It, it it just kind of when I heard that I was like oh okay they did because you have the hotel room scene and you think that's going to mm-hmm. happen there but it doesn't so yeah. it just started kind of questioning yeah yeah like like I was going to be upset if he didn't sleep with a black girl okay. just just for the record <laughs> that that w- would that have been the racist action for like you? like my woke would have been activated <laughs> and and you know what I mine wouldn't have been but I, my woke radar. Your, the trigger radar would have definitely been activated. Like, oh shit, I'm gonna have to hear about that. He slept with the two white women, but not the black one. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. So 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 yeah. He 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 bedded three ladies, which mm-hmm. is which is par for the course for uh, James Bond. Yeah. Is, is this the most yet, or is this about? Is this uh, just the average? I think it's, said it's par, but yeah, I think it's the average. I think it, I think we've done two and then three and then three. Okay. 
So it's still tied for first right now. Yeah. Sort of. Uh, we ha- and 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 the big gadget. The big gadget was the was was the the watch, and it did not disappoint. No. Because he, he I, used yeah. it multiple times. It, it it was forcibly removed from his hand one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about yet another bad guy with a metal hand and or arm. Bro, I thought about that too. I was like, man, is this really the third movie with a character with some deformity or disability? Yep. Because I was gonna, I was almost, I say deformity because I thought about maybe Blofeld having one with his weird earlobes, but that's just a deformity, right? It's not really a disability. (laughs) Whereas Doctor No and Teehee, as I understand his name to be, Teehee. Yeah, I don't. They, I think they constantly referred to him as T in the movie, if I'm not mistaken. But you can see through closed captioning or or the credits at Tee-hee. the end that it's yeah. T. It's T. And uh, and I, and all I can think is like, what is that name? Right. I, I get how some people get called Lil Rod or Despita. Right. I, I can get that. What Tee-hee. is T? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, he was he was smiling a lot. So I guess it makes sense. <laughs> that that man, that's a good henchman, bro. I don't I don't know if you've paid enough attention to henchmen oh, in oh, and, and viewing and experiences. He is, he is. Like he was he was loyal to the end because even after Mr. Big was dead, he was still coming after James Bond in the very last scene. Now did they ever did they show anything else with Whisper, if you remember that character? Who's Whisper? He so Bond orders champagne or whatever in the hotel room before meeting Rosie. And uh-huh. the guy comes in the room. is like, sir, your champagne. Would you like your champagne? I didn't know. I don't, I don't recall. I don't recall seeing him again. No. Yeah. Cause he's the one who carries off bond to the alligator pit, or at least out of the room after the reveal mm-hmm. of Mr. Big. Maybe the, the, like there was one crony. I can't like, I, they all, kind of run together just because they don't have much of a personality. Mm-hmm. There was one that was sitting on a couch that got inflated by by a gadget that hmm. was pretty funny towards the end of the movie. Yeah, and, that, and that's me just kind of missing that. Did he it have, might have been him, but... Did, was he a thick fellow in the midriff? In the middle? He, yes, yes. Very yes. bald-looking? Him, him, him being round made that scene really funny. Okay, so it probably was the same. Fat guy. guys falling over is funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. Hmm. All right. I think that uh, does it for tropes. I, I think it kind of does too. I really appreciate the. I, I hope the next one we get to see also has a disability because then we're going to have to have some sort of running theme, <laughs> and we're going to turn these from tropes to disabilities, and I'll yeah. be lead, running yeah. point on that. Uh, all right. Well, so we're going to move on to the next section, the last section of the evening. It'll be ranking. So okay. So, previously, so, so, so I, I yeah, guess I'll explain good. this again. Yeah. One. So one more we, time. Yeah. This will be it. This no, this will be the last explanation, no, no, right? No more. We've already had two explanations. No more. This is it. Yeah. So so as we watch these movies, we are building a ranked list of the best James Bond movies, uh, which means every time we watch one, 
we will add it to the list where we think it belongs. Uh, the list right now contains two movies. Those are Dr. No and On Her Majesty's Secret Service. In that order, Dr. No being the bottom, On Her Majesty's Secret Service being the top. We now have to decide where Live and Let Die lives on that list. In subsequent episodes, we will add subsequent movies to the list. By the end of the show, we will have a definitive ranked list of the James Bond movies. Mm-hmm. There's your explanation. I'm just going to cut that out and just put it in every episode. Yep, there, there you go. That'll that'll probably work. Where do you, do you think this goes? All right. So in my mind, it only goes one of two places, or it go it only goes it can only go in two different places. Oh yeah, I, guess, I mean, I guess technically it can go in three, right? Top, right. middle, bottom. Yeah. Um, we this is something we need to do for the future ones. While I get, then this is me buffering for time to give you an answer. Just as much as it is to say this, <laughs> we should alternate who. Who goes first on this one? So we don't have un, un, unintentional influencing, right? No, no, it's like like it's 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 an open discussion, Reed. It doesn't matter. Like we're we're going to come to a conclusion regardless. Hmm. So it's it's obviously better than Doctor No. This this is number one to me. So it's better than On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, it is. It it's. And it's almost so for me, and, and my, I might change my mind here. I'm, I'm still kind of thinking on it. Maybe what you say changed my mind too. But it's, it's a largely put on the shoulders of Roger Moore. That I just okay. really like Roger Moore and, and his performance. So, And, and actually, you, you played right into my hand. Like that's, oh, no. Did you got simply, me? No, no, because like... The the problems with the, that last movie stem from the how uncomfortable uh, George Lazenby was, mm-hmm. and this movie, like Roger Moore, knows exactly the part he's playing. You either like that shit or you don't. Yeah, you know uh, the lines are delivered better. The like the action sequences are just as good, if not better, than uh, Secret Service. Right, I can see and, that. And it like again, the 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 lady is is a stunner, which mm-hmm. has to factor in somehow. Um, right. I mean, when you're talking about song. Bond girls and all, yeah, better yep. theme song, better better intro. Oh um, sure, that that alone is pretty good, right there. Yeah. Almost. And and this isn't taking anything any anything away from the last movie. I just think this one as a whole is better. It definitely has its problems, and it's fucking. It, it it it's more bonkers than the other one, but mm-hmm. I can get on board with it. So yeah, as of right now, I say Live and Let Die is the best Bond movie. I I want to potentially try and make a case, even though I've said what I said, and this probably won't change my opinion or yours, but I'm going to still make the case. the The thing, since you mentioned the song, with on Her Majesty's Secret Service, a lot of those things stand with what you said. The the part I will point out that is good is the song that they had has more emotional weight in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, more direct to the story, 
mm-hmm. emotional weight, right? Because that's the last thing that Bond says as he's holding his newly dead wife. It's like we have all the time in the world playing, you know, referencing the yeah the song. And that's and I mean I just got goosebumps saying that. It's just it's <laughs> chilling. It's so sad. It's so so touching. And and, and, the and whole... go ahead. Go ahead. As 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 we burn through these movies, I want I want to keep I want to keep that that flame alive because you're right, that is going to be the distinguishing like factor that puts it in front of other movies. Mm-hmm. I don't think it does it here though. It probably doesn't for me either, even though I think him getting married is a big moment of the series, mm-hmm. particularly at least at this time, right? Maybe not in the grand 25th movie coming out this November, that kind of thing. Maybe nobody gives a <laughs> shit and remembers the shit anymore. I get that. But at the time of the movies, this is a big deal. It's James fucking Bond, bro. It's James Bond who beds all the ladies he can bed in his life. And he gets married by the end of it. And then she subsequently dies and it's just all terrible. And they even do the the throwback, not throwbacks, but the fan servicey things in the beginning of the movie. Hey, remember Pussy Galore? Hey, remember Dr. No? Hey, remember Ursula Andrews' utility belt? I'll call it that. And just those different things. It hits on the emotional beats or high points of the previous movies to give the sort of connection mm-hmm. to the character that had not been done yet, which I actually thought was really interesting. I hadn't seen an older movie as a fun, funny side note. You know, you can watch movies now, you know, your MCUs, your whatevers, and you can see all kinds of fan service throughout those movies. And I can't think back to a movie that was made that long ago. Not that I've seen a ton of movies made in the sixties, of course, but that's, it's just an interesting thing. Like, Hey, we want to reconnect you to Bond. We want to fan service you to Bond. Hey, remember that moment? You know, I, I just don't remember thinking that was a thing back then. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wonder how interesting or new of a concept that was at the time, if it was even something that people really did or not. It's a good question. That we, hey, audience, do you remember this? Do you remember that? You know, maybe people fourth wall looked at the camera back then. I don't and I don't even know that they did that. You know, your Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Backs kind of thing. Like who would watch who would watch that? Ben Affleck and turn. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing, but I don't yeah. think you're I think you're probably still right. Even yeah. though that it means something. To, it kind of does mean something to me. That song, that scene, him getting married. It's just it's a, it's one of the more emotional things in the whole series to me. But, right, and 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 honestly, like this movie, d- does not even try any of that shit. No, it doesn't. None of it. Doesn't even. It, it, ta- it, it's funny to think it doesn't even talk about it. Right, it's not even mentioned at all. N- not even, that. not even the, like mentioning. It just, it doesn't attempt emotion. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That too. Of course. Yeah. It just doesn't yeah. even. There's no emotional anything. Fun fact, they do kind of, and we'll we'll get to them when we get to them, I guess, but they do touch back on this, on or not on Live and Let Die, but on Her Majesty's Secret Service. They do touch on him being married. They do touch on what Blofeld did to him, eventually. Oh. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Like, even just being trying to be as objective as possible, 
there's too many good points that that stand out. Maybe it's wrong to maybe somebody out there would tell me it's wrong to say this. I think the having all the black characters is a good thing to be in a big franchise like this that black people had that moment too. I like I said, I don't know if that's really wrong. I, I think it's a good some to some extent, somewhat of a good thing. Certain aspects, maybe, maybe not all of them. The the live and let die song is just so good, like you said, that it carried over. Mm-hmm. And it's still popular now. Roger Moore's performance, the movie leaning in, or at least knowing what it's doing. Yep. And and the character and the absurdities. And <laughs> and I guess I want to at least give you a moment to say before we end the segment. Would am I wrong in saying the thing about with with black people taking a big role in the movie? Is that do you think that's wrong? I don't think either of us can answer that question. Okay. Because because you're right, like the in- inclusion of that many black people is encouraging, but right, and that if, is what it, I mean. Like, yeah. yeah, like ultimately, if they're all playing a role that's offensive, then it is kind of spinning its wheels and possibly even moving backwards. So, again, I, neither yeah, of us no, are really neither of us fair. are equipped to answer that question. Okay, well. Then we'll just leave it at that then on on that one. <laughs> well, Sergio, this third one, third one in the book that hopefully doesn't get deleted in any sort of un- unfortunate incidences. Hey, 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 hey. Whoa, I, whoa, recovered, whoa. I recovered both of the episodes. You, you, you did. You, I, hey, man, I didn't say anything about nothing. You, you did that now. You did that. Speaking of doing that, is there anything else we need to do? Is there to this one? Does is any other final moment, final thought, something you didn't think of before you think of now? No, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think I've uh, we're, we've gone really long, so I, I think it's all out of my system. <laughs> yeah, it, it probably is. Well, we really appreciate all of you for all twenty plus of you, whoever's listening or not listening. Thanks so much for stopping by and taking the time to listen to this one. We do apologize if it was a little longer than the previous ones. We'll try and keep it to a lower thing, but sometimes it just kind of, you know, it just kind of happens this way. So I want to also very much thank Master Sergio Lugo for being here and giving his time and contribution to the podcast and all the posting and or editing that he quote unquote does. I want to the give him. What the fuck is that pro- supposed to mean? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Calm down. Look, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa! Give me props. Calm down. Hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Quote unquote, my ass. <laughs> I want to really thank him for putting, doing all the back end production of this. So, you know, give go give him a like or something or a tweet. I don't, I don't know. Follow him on a thing. You, you, you guys know, and I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, thanks so much for for being here for this one. And we'll be back for another one in approximately two weeks. And it'll be living, uh, I'm sorry, The Living Daylights with Timothy Dalton. And I can't remember what he was. He was like the nanny. Didn't he have like a funny little thing before? I don't know. I'll have to look that up. I I don't know. (laughs) He's a charming one, that one. But we'll see you guys next time. 
and hopefully be a little shorter. So once again, thank you for sticking around for this little bit extra longer one. <laughs> Debriefing and cocktail. We are listening to Keep the Hip, Do Not, and Break Up Rock. Yeah, I'm a full debriefing, and hopefully will I. Yeah.